In today's show, we are doing a Utah Jazz fantasy preview show. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we're available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. It's the Utah Jazz. It's time for us to talk about a team that remains really confusing, which is never ideal, is it? But that's where we are with this squad. Things are starting to come into a little bit more clarity but we're not fully there yet. So we're going to talk about it. Sleepers, busts for the Jazz, what we're doing with this squad. Who knows? Warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Forgot again that I can't do that with this voice. Holy shit. Oh, maybe I'll learn next show. Locked on Fantasy Basketball Bowl. A lot of drafts have started off already. There are not many opportunities left. In, in uh, category leagues, there's like 12 spots left across two divisions, Jazz and Wizards. Points leagues, there are more. And a few people, there's probably about 15 people that I've sent points leagues invites out to. They haven't accepted them. So, flood me. L-O-F-B-Bowl at gmail.com. If you want category league, it's a limited chance. Like there's not many spots left. Points leagues, you've got a bigger chance of getting in. And if you want in this uh, competition, the rules are linked below. Um... It's slow drafts. Get in. Like I'm going to be getting these. If you and and if you have applied in the past, please check your junk mail because you might have received an invite. Because these ones that I've sent out for invites for people and they haven't accepted, they're getting revoked, and somebody else is getting those spots. But you want in a points league, get it in. You want in a category league, but think you might not get in, send a points league one as well. Because that's how you're going to get in. There's not many spots left for the locked on fantasy basketball bowl. By the way. For those who want to know, I am in the Raptors points division. Yeah, I'm in the Bulls category league one. I'm in the Raptors points division. It's the first time you've heard that one, isn't it? Let's talk about the Jazz, though. Done talking about Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl. Can't wait to see how these drafts play out, by the way. The Jazz. They have 51 quality games for this upcoming season. 15 back-to-backs. That's a league high. That's bad news for Mike Conley, if he remains on the team. Their playoff schedule is shocking as well. When leagues end on March the 19th, and I will receive this question another 50 times this uh, off-season, pre-season. But I'll say it again now. Josh, what date do you recommend ending leagues? March 19th. March 19th. Please, end your leagues on March 19th. But if you do end your league on March 19th, the Jazz have a terrible schedule. Eight games. Three, three, and two. That is disgusting. Now, thankfully, there's no really high jazz guys you need to worry about. It's all back-end sort of players, but that's disgustingly bad. If you end on March 26th, they play um, nine games. That's a three, two, four. That's still pretty bad. It gets better if you end on Yahoo default, which is April 2nd, but it's still 10 games. Two fewer than the max, which is 12, obviously, because 
Tempos to his 12. The schedule there is two, four, and four. The two game weeks, always bad. But we know there are a lot more um, a lot more teams with two game weeks this season, sort of somewhat softening that blow. Not fully, but somewhat softening that blow. The Jazz have a lot more problems, though, irrespective of fantasy playoffs. We just don't know what's going to happen with this team. Well, actually, we do know. They're going to be bad. They're going to be terrible, in fact. Um, so let's look at the pe- pressure points. How bad are they going to tank? Do they even need to tank? They've traded away Gobert, Royce O'Neal, Donovan Mitchell, and Boyan Bogdanovich. Will they trade Conley? Will they just Al Horford him and not play him? Will they John Wall him and not play him? Will they trade Jordan Clarkson? It doesn't appear so. Will they flip Kaliolinic? Don't know. How will they prioritize things? Will they just will if, will they be on track for thirty wins and then they'll have to sit Colin Sexton and Larry Mark and two players who put up numbers who I don't really think contribute to winning that much. So I'm not that worried about those guys sitting down. But yeah, Conley is he on, does he stay on this team? Jordan Clarkson? I'm not sure he, how much he contributes to winning on a bad team anyway. But yeah, I think overall I look at it and go the guys like Clarkson and Sexton and Markinen they can put up numbers. But when they're just when they're the main guys, and we've seen this before, Sexton in Cleveland, Clarkson in Cleveland at times, marketing in Chicago, they don't lead to winning. Their performances don't drive winning. And there's no good players on this team. So it might be a situation like in Indiana last season where Buddy Heald and Tyrese Halliburton were playing huge minutes and they still were losing because they weren't driving winning. That might be the case for Sexton and for marketing and for Clarkson, that they're bad anyway, so we don't need to sit them down. Let's get some reps in. Let's get some development. Let them enjoy themselves. That might be the case. The other thing that's going to impact the projections are trades. Will Conley get dealt? What the latest report is, and I said this on the ESPN Sleeper Show earlier today, Tony Jones from Athletics saying, it's most likely or more likely that Jordan Clarkson, gives me a chance to rest my voice as I play the sound. J-O-R-D-A-N-C-L-A-R-K-S-O-N. Man on the street legend Jordan Clarkson is more likely to extend with the Jazz than to get traded. He's 30 years old. He loves Utah, apparently. So that helps his value out. But you know, what do they do with Conley? Conley doesn't think he'll get traded. The return for... Well, he doesn't think he get traded right now. The return for Boyan Bogdanovich was underwhelming. I don't imagine with Conley having a pretty sizable thing, $12 million partial guarantee next season that there's going to be people knocking down the door for him. So maybe he stays. And maybe he plays 50 games. He gets traded and then other players come back in. And most of the trades they've done, outside of the Mitchell one, the players coming in have just been sort of like, yeah, yeah. Kelly Linick, Malik Beasley, Taylor Horton Tucker. Like they're just, ugh. So maybe that's the same if Conley gets moved and it doesn't actually impact much. But what about Will Hardy? We don't really know anything about him. He was an assistant coach in Boston, but we've never seen him as a head coach before. Does he speed it up? Does he play a drop coverage defense? Does he play a switch-heavy defense? Does he like a nine-man rotation, Nick Nurse-style playing everyone 39 minutes? Does he play an old-school Taylor Jenkins 11-man rotation where everyone's getting 27 minutes? We don't know. I would imagine on this team, they're going to go 11. And they're going to play 28, 27, 29 minutes. It's going to be a mess. It's going to be guys in and out of rotations. And it's going to be a shit show most nights of the year in trying to predict what happens and find that value. They've still got massive amounts of roster cutdowns to do as well on this squad. They've got 20 guys under contract and you know, only one of them at the moment is a two-way guy. They're going to have to cut down like four players off this roster. So you know, Stanley Johnson, Saban Lee, Rudy Gay, 
Like, if those three go, someone else still needs to be cut. Bolmaro, Alexander Walker. Like, what do they do with this roster? There's still a lot of question marks around how they're going to run things and how this roster is actually going to look on opening night. But I couldn't wait any longer to do this. So more trades could be coming or players are going to get cut. And a lot of them have to be. So we, we just don't know who they're going to be at this point. But those players do need to get cut. But you don't need to cut betonline.net out of your life because they are the number one source for football betting info this season. As I'm recording this, my Dolphins are going up against the whited-out Cincinnati Bengals. And I know on BetOnline, they had the Bengals as four-point favorites, and I could look silly. But I think the Dolphins will get that. I think we'll get up. We're a powerhouse. But all of the week four action in the NFL is loaded over at BetOnline. You can check it out. College football as well. But that's not all. Everything else you need, team matchups, news, podcasts, in-depth articles and analysis on every game that you can find. BetOnline also remains your continued source for all sports waging info, including live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to the website, betonline.net, or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. Let's look at some breakout candidate players who are guys that we might know. I don't include rookies in this list, but these are guys we might be talking about more next season or during the season who have better years. I I didn't put Sexton and Markin on there because I think that they can just get back to things they've done in the past. Markin in year one or year two in Chicago. Sexton, I think in year three it was in Cleveland. I think they can sort of get back to those numbers. But the guys who have an opportunity to really step up Taylor Horton Tucker. Now, at this point, I don't expect him to start. And I don't expect him to be given the ball a ton. I think they're going to go. We'll talk about this lady later. Conley Sexton and Tony Jones thinks his opinion, not from the team, but he thinks it'll be Conley Sexton, who's not a point guard Sexton, Conley Sexton, Markinen, Vanderbilt, Olenek. So going again with the big lineup, Markinen at the three. But there's also Malik Beasley who could start. And I'm not sure where Horton Tucker sits. But if they just decide, screw it, Beasley, you're gone. We're going to not start big. We're going to have marketing at the four. Then there is an opportunity for Horton Tucker to start. Maybe Horton Tucker and Sexton both start. Conley goes to the bench. And those two share point guard duties. But he's an opportunity. Now, Horton Tucker's been shit most of the time. But he has the occasional big game that make people believe. Azubuke, Udoka Azubuke is another one. Now, he's had two terrible um, injuries to his ankle over his first two seasons. I actually don't think he's an NBA big man, really. I think he's okay as a backup big. But if they do decide that they need a big rim protector out there, because him and Walker Kessler to play minutes. It's undecided who gets the role. I would absolutely be giving it to Kessler. But as a Buke might be in there. He also might be out of the rotation entirely behind Olenek and Kessler. But he might start. Or he might be the second string guy playing 20 minutes. Malik Beasley... Could he get it back to 30 minutes a night or get up to 30 minutes a night as a starter, as a 20-point per game scorer? Could he look to expand his ball handling role? I don't know. The other guy is Jared Butler. If they do sit Mike Conley down, the point guards on this team are nobody. Jordan Clarkson's not really a point guard. Colin Sexton is not really a point guard. Nikhil Alexander-Walker is not really a point guard. Leandro Bomaro is not really a point guard. Jared Butler is. So... Would they just lean that heavily into the tank and just say, all right, Butler, you're our starting point guard now. Is Saban Lee's a point guard? Maybe it's him. Maybe he doesn't make the roster. So, you know, there is opportunities for a few of these guys to step up and have some really big years. But who knows? 
if they if they get there, like honestly. Um, question for the entry to Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl. In the I forgot to mention this. I've been away. In the subject line, Jazz Cats to get into the category league. Jazz Points to get into the Points League. Email lofbbowl at gmail.com. And in the sub in, in the body of the email, I want you to tell me who shared the backcourt with Jared Baylor in college. Who did he start alongside? The answer is Davion Mitchell. So that's what you put in at Baylor. That's what you put into the body of the email. email. Jared Butler and Davion Mitchell were backcourt buddies in college. Um, Let's look at some sleeper options. It's quite a few. I think Larry Markkinen is being underrated. He's for category leagues on Yahoo's at 110. I like him in the 70s. Fantrax is at 84. ESPN is at 129. There's so much value. That's ADP numbers. So much value right across the board. Kelly Linick, Yahoo 140, Fantrax 163, ESPN 171. At the very minimum, I will take a flyer on him. We have seen him on a bad team play big minutes and put up ridiculous numbers in Houston. I don't think, I don't think that he will do that this season necessarily, play those big minutes or be that top 40 sort of player as my son messages me about the uh, football game that's going on. Uh, um, yeah, but as a last round pick, why not? Why wouldn't you have a crack at him? And then Jared Vanderbilt is down at 175 on ESPN. Now, I think he lost value with the arrival of Olenek and the arrival of Markin, and that hurt Vanderbilt. But if they do go with this Tony Jones suggested alignment of Markin at the three, Vanderbilt at the four, he's definitely draftable. And if he plays 30 minutes, like top 100 is possible in category leagues, he's probably not as good of a points league guy. But it's possible. His ADP at 175 is, is obviously high. Points leagues, I think Colin Sexton's probably about ranked right for category leagues, but for points leagues, 82 on Yahoo and 91 on fan tracks. They're probably 20 spots too low. So there's a bit of value there, I think. And then Clarko is at 141 on, on fan tracks and 134 on ESPN with ADP. And I think he's maybe 110. Might crack top 100, but I do like him as a last round, second, third last round sort of a player. And you can get a decent amount of value um, with him there. The nature of this team tells me that there are no real bust guys. I guess you could consider Mike Conley, who's at 99 on ESPN, as a bit of a bust. But if he does play 60 games at 99, it's actually all right. But I don't think he's necessarily going to do that. But yeah, he's maybe borderline a bust. But that's probably about it. In the last round, lots of guys we can have a look at. Walker Kessler. Yeah, he might play 20 minutes a night, 7-7, seven and seven, 1.8 blocks, 65% shooting. That's good enough to have impact. If they do decide to go with a bigger traditional rim-protecting center, he might play 24 minutes and be a top 80 guy. It's looking less and less likely with Markkinen coming in and with uh, Alinek coming in, but he could be there. Horton Tucker, last round flyer again. I don't know. I don't expect him to start necessarily, but he could. Same with Malik Beasley and same with Simone Fontecchio who is really a stereotypical three-sized player. Really good shooter. Could almost fill the Boyan Bogdanovich role that they had previously. And if they don't want to go with Markkinen at the three, Fontecchio on Markkinen at the three and four, that's some unbelievably good shooting. Linux at the five, again, good shooting. Sexton, good shooting. It makes them really spacey. They could play really fast. It's an option. Yeah, I would prioritize Kessler, Horton, Tucker, Beasley, and a Linux over Fontecchio, 
But Fontecchio is a guy that the casual NBA fan, if you said, hey, I'm going to look at Simone Fontecchio, they'd say, who on earth, Simone? They would say, who on earth are you talking about? Like, they would not know who this bloke is or who he plays for. And I'm going to go out on a limb here. I reckon he's not entered into ESPN's database. Is that true? Is he not entered into ESPN? Please, tell me it's true. Is he is Fontecchio in ESPN? It does not look like it. What a shock that a guy who's been signed for three months is not in their database. Now, maybe I'm wrong on that. I apologize, ESPN, if I've got that wrong. But he doesn't appear to be a draftable player on ESPN because that is how those uh, blokes roll. Let's look at the roster. So as I said, Conley, Sexton, Market, and Vanderbilt, Linux, possible starters. I think you could throw Horton Tucker in there over Vanderbilt and move Mark to the four. Beasley could start. Fontecchio could start. I do expect that Sexton and Mark are locked in. I think Linick will start for his spacing. I think Conley will start if they play him at all. And then it's just really that other spot. And it's Beasley, Horton Tucker, Fontecchio. I don't think it'll be Agbaji. I don't think it'll be Clarkson necessarily. Conley's a fine late pick. I like Sexton as a maybe top 60 upside guy. Better in points than categories, but the scoring is super valuable in category leagues. Don't expect him to be a seven-assist player. That's just not him. Maybe it is him. It's not, though. Uh, Markkinen, I think, again, can be top 70 almost at worst. As a scorer, rebounder, hit some threes. He's never going to get defensive stats or be an assist guy, but the other stuff's pretty strong. Vanderbilt's never going to be a scorer, but he gets really good steals, high field goal percentage, really strong rebounds, which at the end of drafts are really hard to find and Vanderbilt can help there. But you've got to have a strong team in points. He might average seven points a game. He might shoot 55% from the line. So th- that's a trade-off you've got to look at. And then the Linux a really good pick. Again, if somehow they push him to 30, which I really don't think they do, um, that's a top 70 player. I think he's more likely to be around the 100, 110 mark in 24 to 26 minutes. But there is upside in Cali Linux, and we always like upside. I don't think Jordan Clarkson's got huge upside. Even in 30 minutes a night, he's... He's like a Colin Sexton where he gets no rebounds, assists, deals, or blocks, but he's probably worse at it because he's worse efficiency-wise. But still getting scoring with a handful of assists late in a draft can be useful. Horton Tucker, always, also a bad uh, assist, or sorry, bad percentage guy, but he can get assists, he can get rebounds, he can score a bit. But things do really need to be tailored towards him. And with Markkinen and Sexton, and maybe Conley having the ball ahead of him, not sure it's the right ecosystem for a huge upside. We, we like it as a flyer, but that's probably about it. I would say for Talon, I don't really see gigantic, gigantic upside. And Malik Beasley, he sort of profiles like Clarkson and Sexton. He's a scorer. He hits threes. But what else? Can he get to 1.4 steals? I don't know. Four boards, two assists. He's not good in those other categories. And there is a lot of um, redundancy with Sexton, Clarkson, and Beasley. So how they all work together. At least Beasley's got a bit more size and can play up at the three. But fantasy stat-wise, they're all pretty similar. Kessler, absolute block menace in college. I think he blocked almost five shots a game. He's going to block shots in the NBA. Fouls will be a problem, and playing time is going to be a problem. Now that we've got Vanderbilt, Markkinen, Olenek, Azabuke, all in that front court. A lot of names there that need to find minutes. And yeah, Kessler, of course, can only play at the five. Then we talked about Fontecchio, who should be a really strong scorer uh, or shooter, more to the point. Maybe he averages 10 points, two and a half threes. But... There is a Bogdanovich role to fill, and he's a perfect Bogdanovich replacement. I guess Markkinen is too, just a taller version. Fontecchio is a little bit underrated. He's only 27, so while he is debuting in the NBA now, yeah, he's not super, super old. 
as a BUK, I talked about him already. Then there's Oshai Agbaji, who I do not like as a prospect particularly. I thought he was drafted too high. Um, but again, this is so many players in front of him. Sexton, Beasley, Horton Tucker, Clarkson. And then there's got another guy who is similar to in Alexander Walker. I wouldn't bother taking Agbaji with my last pick. There's just too many guys in front of him. To How does he get 30 minutes? I don't think he is that good. He also has a really poor fantasy translations, like so many of these guys. Rebounds, no. Assists, no. Steals, no. Blocks, no. Good shooter the last couple of years. Struggled his first two years in college. I wouldn't bother with him. I'd, I'd watch it. I'd monitor it to see what happens. But there's just so many of those like players around that things would need to change quite a bit for Agbaji to get enough minutes. And even if he played 30 minutes a night, Oshai, I don't actually know that he is a must-roster player in 30 minutes, and I'm not sure his numbers translate that well. It feels like we'd need a lot more than that, like a lot more minutes than that to actually be useful. I think he's going to struggle with his um, shooting a lot, his two-point numbers, his three-point numbers, and just everything else is going to be subpar is my guess. Um, Jared Butler, he, he struggled as a rookie. But second year experience, he's a bit of an older player as well. One of the only true point guards. He should be at least a rotation guy in deeper leagues. Getting Maybe he gets three and a half assists. That's unbelievably useful in deeper leagues. And with Conley likely to sit 20 games, 30 games, he's got an opportunity for bigger minutes. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, uh, they, they hated him last season. They just didn't play him. And again, there are so many guys. Agbaji, Beasley, Horton Tucker, Clarkson, Sexton who do the same thing as him. He is in a spot where if he does perform, there are minutes there because those other guys aren't great, but I'm, I'm not banking on it. Leandro Balmaro literally might not make the roster. I don't know how they, what they're going to do here. Johnny Jujang is a um, two-way player. Again, you're not going to believe it. He's a, like a, a two-guard, like they've got a million of them. And then there's Rudy Gay, who again, uh, who makes the roster? There's Cody Zeller, there's Stanley Johnson, there's Saban Lee, there's Rudy Gay. If those those four guys could all get cut to get them down to their numbers. The other guy who thinks are at risk is Alexander Walker. Probably not Bolmaro, but maybe, but I don't think Johnson's going to last. Lee, uh, who knows? Looks, they, they need to make trades or roster cuts because there are too many guys. So four of Gay, Saban Lee, Stanley Johnson, Cody Zeller, Bolmaro, Alexander Walker need to be cut. Four of those guys to get the roster down. And that's a lot. And of course, that could be changed with trades. But at the moment, that's where we're at. And that will do it for me talking about the Utah Jazz. Follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you are here on YouTube, thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.